Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you're well. So I wanted to go over a thought experiment here because lately in the news, we've all been hearing about de-dollarization, the dollar losing reserve currency status. And it is definitely true that these are happening. We are seeing the process of the world de-dollarizing and we are seeing in real time the United States or the United States dollar lose its reserve currency status. So then you have to ask the question, well, what happens to the United States when this comes to fruition. I mean, is that hyperinflation? Do we see interest rates skyrocket? Do we just see an economic collapse? What does it look like? Because keep in mind, we've had this, call it quote unquote, exorbitant privilege since 1944, officially. We've built our entire economy around the dollar being the reserve currency. So what happens when it's no longer there? What happens when there's another currency that takes its place? Let's think about that for a moment. First, what we need to do, and very few people do, by the way, and, and this is a big criticism that I have for FinTwit and for financial Twitter and for some of the other commentators out there, maybe on YouTube or podcasts, whatever, is they always talk about the dollar losing reserve currency status, but they don't define what that means. Like, as an example, let, let me just do this quickly here. Let's go to the chat, Josh. And for those of you who are watching this video right now, just quickly in the chat, tell me what the definition of reserve currency is. How, how do you even know that the dollar is the reserve currency? And what I mean by that, is it the fact that uh, it is a currency, the official world reserve currency, if that is held by central banks in their reserve, if that is the most widely held currency by central banks, does that mean that it's the global reserve currency? What about private entities? What about the aggregate balance sheet of the private sector? Does that count or is that more important? So regardless of what the central banks are doing, if at a local level or with the private sector, let's say, and on banks' balance sheets, let's just assume that they have the majority of their currency held in dollars, but the central banks don't. Does that mean the dollar is or is not the global reserve currency? And then let's just say for a moment that you could have this world where a lot of the transactions, the majority of transactions are done in dollars, but yet very few people keep that on their balance sheet. So the first thing that would come to mind would be Turkey or Colombia. Most of you know, I spend a lot of time in Colombia. And two months ago, I was in Istanbul, and they do not use the dollar to transact. If I go down to the local shop here or the gym, I'm going to go to the gym here in about an hour. I'm not, when I pay for my membership, I don't pay in dollars. I pay in Colombian pesos. But do people save pesos here? Some, but only the poor people <laughs> or the soon to be poor people. What most people hold as far as their savings would be dollars, even though they don't transact in dollars. So is that, is that the definition? Is the majority, whatever currency is being used by the majority of entities in the global economy to transact, let's say at 60, 70%, is that the global currency? Well, what if the banks aren't holding it on their balance sheet? What if the central banks aren't? And then what if the central banks are holding that as their reserve currency? Let's just say that they move to the yuan. So the majority or the biggest currency or the largest percentage of global uh, central banks, the largest percentage of currency they have on their balance sheet is the yuan. 
but let's just assume no one in the private sector is using it. Is that the global? You see where I'm going with this? It's a very difficult question to answer. And if you're trying to think through what happens to the dollar, if it, well, you got to, what happens to the dollar if it's no longer the highest percentage currency held by central banks? Well, that's one answer, but that isn't necessarily the same answer as if it's no longer held by the private sector. And that's a different answer than if it's no longer used to, for the majority of the transactions. And then you got to think about dollar debt, you see? So when co someone comes out, a talking head person on a podcast where they say, oh, well, the dollar losing global reserve currency, this is devastating and blah, 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 blah. Well, what do you even mean? And if you can't define that, then how the hell can you make a prediction on what's going to happen? So let's go back to Investopedia and see what they have to say. What is a reserve currency? A reserve currency is large quantity of currency maintained by central banks and other major financial institutions. But keep in mind, those are not synonymous. And this is a criticism I'd have of Investopedia. Just because a currency is held by central banks doesn't mean that it's going to be held by major financial institutions. Maybe, maybe not, right? So we have to understand that in the global banking system, the global monetary system, they prefer right now dollars. And the pretty much the only collateral that would be considered pristine collateral would be U.S. treasuries. Is that because the, someone came down from a hill and just ordained it? into existence as far as the dollar being the reserve no it's just because that's the way the system has been built and now it has these network effects and those network effects are not going to be impacted by the bank of england's decision to have their balance sheet be composed of 40 percent dollars 50 percent pounds and 10 percent euros that that doesn't mean that the banks are going to say oh my gosh look at what the bank of england just did Better stop, better throw away our entire system that we've used for the last 50 years. <laughs> no, of course not. Let's keep going here. A reserve currency reduces exchange rate risk since there's no need for a country to exchange its currency for the reserve currency. Not a country. See, this is where the devil's in the details. It's not a country that makes this decision. Like I said, it's, it's a king doesn't announce a reserve currency by decree. It happens by the individual entities. It's not a country that does this. It's individual entities. So that's why I would argue, if you want to really look at the uh, a reserve currency, you've got to look at what's on the balance sheet of the private sector. What's on the balance sheet of the central banks? It's not that important. And you say, well, George, my gosh, these central banks can intervene. And if they have blah, 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 blah. Right. But who creates the majority of the dollars? The central banks or the commercial banks? You guys know that well. It's the commercial banks. Not even close, not even close. So the commercial banks, if they so choose, can provide the dollars to the entities within XYZ country, regardless of what their central bank is doing. All right, so now let's for a moment go over to what is happening on the balance sheet right now. And I wanna get into a little more detail here, but just as an overview, we see that this is the dollar on the balance sheets of global central banks. So as far as central banks, the dollar represents the majority, but let's say, eh, it's only giving me a net number, it's not giving me a percentage. Let's just go ahead and, okay, ballpark it here, we got 58.36%. So if you are someone that says, well, this is all that matters right here, George, is you know, how are the reserves being held with these global central banks? 
what is the number that where you would say, okay, the dollar is no longer the reserve's currency? Let's just for a moment assume that that number is 50%, right? Once it goes below 50%, by definition, by your definition, it's no longer the reserve currency. So right now, you know, we've got the 20% in euros. So let's just say that euros are a combination of all these, whatever, brings this from 58% down to 49. So that would be a reduction of 8.36%. So let's just assume that happens. What would happen to the U.S. economy? Would we have hyperinflation? Why or why not? Would we have an economic collapse as a result of this exclusively? Would interest rates skyrocket? And let's keep in mind here, we're talking billions, okay? We're talking billions. This blue bar, which represents this 58.36%, I'm assuming this is the last data, Q2, excuse me, Q4, 2022, is 6.4 or 6,471. That would be billions, so that's $6 trillion. Wow, sounds like a lot. Until you realize there's about 100 trillion on the balance sheet of the private sector. This ballpark. So if this number goes from six point, and by the way, let's keep in mind, it's gone from 7.1 trillion, basically, down to 6.4. So right off the top of my head, what is that? A decrease of uh, 10% maybe, if my math is right. So it's gone down by 10% from, since 2021. And what has happened as a result of this going down by 10%? What has happened to interest rates? Has the interest rate on the 10-year treasury skyrocketed or has it gone down? You see? Now, it is true that since this time, the U.S. Treasury, the yield has gone up. But let's just look at it in terms of Q, roughly Q2, right off the top of my head. It's gone down. So you can't say that this is a, a, a causal component, right? What has happened to the United States dollar since 2021? Don't have a chart in front of me, but if my memory serves me right, it's up. So let's just assume for a moment that this, how far, well, you think about this, how far would it have to go down to be reduced by 8.36% roughly? Uh, we'll say it has to go down by another, uh, let's see, 10%. So that would take us uh, 600. So that'd take us to about five, let's just say 5.8 trillion. So we've gone from 7.1 down to 6.4. So if we go from 6.4 down to 5.8, what would you expect to happen? Personally, I would expect the exact same thing to happen, and that would be zero. I don't know why you would argue that, well, it's gone down by 10%, let's say, but if it goes down another 10%, then holy cow, watch out. That's when the stuff hits the fan. Really? Why? So my point is if you are defining the reserve currency, which I wouldn't, but if you're defining it this way, which a lot of people would, then what would be the impact of the dollar losing that. And you're gonna tell me that that would cause hyperinflation? That that would cause that in and of itself? Would cause interest rates to skyrocket? Would cause the US economy to implode? No, no. In fact, you could argue that if the dollar has gone up on the DXY relative to other fiat currencies at a time when it's been decreased on central bank's balance sheets, why would it go down if it continues to decrease. I don't know, maybe might go up. I don't know what it would do. But what I can tell you is whatever happens here has almost zero impact on the dollar. Almost has zero impact on your interest rate that you pay for a mortgage, contrary to popular belief. Why? Because what does impact that is what the global monetary system is doing. And the global monetary system is almost entirely independent 
of central banks. Now, let's go through another thought experiment here. And I just emailed this to myself. Hopefully, we can pull it up. Uh, Let's see. Hopefully, I got it here. There we go. So, this is just obviously a very simple representation of the aggregate balance sheet for the entire world, dollars. And we'll just assume there's $100 trillion out there that are assets on someone's balance sheet. Might be a bank in the shadows that we don't have information on, or maybe it's just someone here in Colombia that's saving in dollars. Or maybe it's a Turkish coffee shop that is also saving in dollars, or maybe they're at the airports. So they know the majority of people that are coming through will have dollars, whatever the case may be. Aggregate total, $100 trillion. But what's interesting, what you got to remember, is these dollars were not created by printing green pieces of paper. The majority of these dollars were created not through bank reserves, not through green pieces of paper, but by lending them into existence. So what's interesting about a currency being lent into existence is when you create the supply, you simultaneously create the exact same amount, if not more, when you include interest, of future demand. So let's forget about the interest here. Let's just say that these $100 trillion of assets on global balance sheet were created by lending them to existence, into existence. So that would mean there's $100 trillion on the liability side of the global balance sheet as well. So let's just say for a moment that all of these uh, entities are like, you know what? This dollar thing, this is not working out. We are going to, we are scared that the the United States is going to freeze our assets and yada, yada, yada. And by the way, boy, oh boy, they just came out with this new BRICS currency. And I trust China way more than I trust the United States. Therefore, I'd way rather hold their currency because when you hold the currency, basically your counterparty is the government that, that has that currency, right? So you guys know that I am no fan of the United States government. I pretty much dislike all of them equally. I think they're all crooks. They're all shady. They're all corrupt as hell. They're all authoritarians. They're all Marxists. They're all central planners. Maybe they're to varying degrees, right? But the bottom line is I do not like the fact that my dollars are, or my counterparty for my dollars is the United States government. But I would like it a lot less if my counterparty was the Communist Party of China. I would like it a lot less if my counterparty was Putin. or Zelensky, for that matter. I would like it even less if it was Lulu, the psychopath that's running Brazil right now. And I would like it even less if it was India, the country that just overnight decided to ban $100 bills. You want those guys as your counterparty? Or how about having South Africa as your counterparty? The country that literally takes farmers' farms away from them. You know, you want to talk about rule of law or lack thereof. You want to talk about a total disregard for private property rights. You want South Africa as your counterparty? Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with macroeconomics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. 
We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. But let's just assume that you're one of those individuals that would far rather have the Chinese Communist Party as a uh, counterparty than the United States government. Fine. What are you going to do? You're going to sell your dollars, for heaven's sakes. You don't want those things. You're going to sell your dollars for yuan or BRICS currency or whatever, right? Great. So what happens to those dollars? They just go on to someone else's balance sheet. So the aggregate total of dollars on the asset side of the balance sheet is the exact same. Nothing happens. Okay, well, what about the debt? It's the exact same. Nothing happens. In other words, future demand for those dollars has not changed at all. Let's just assume for a moment, we'll take it to an extreme. Let's just say that all the entities say, I'm done with these dollars. Forget about it. Forget about it. I don't want them anymore. Great. What's going to happen? They're going to circulate onto other assets or onto other balance sheets. And then what, let's say, say these people have all this, these extra dollars they don't even need. Like, what am I going to do with all these dollars? I don't want these things, but they still have the hundred trillion debt. So then what would they do? They'd say, oh my gosh, well, we're going to have to pay off our debt because that's a contractual obligation that we have to the bank. So then they take those $100 that they don't want anymore and they just pay off the, the, the bank. So then the aggregate total of dollars goes from $100 trillion down to zero. What happens to the liability side? Well, it goes down to zero as well. But now how many dollars are there? Zero. There's no more. Because when those loans are paid off, those dollars don't just recirculate. They're not being paid off with gold coins. When the dollar is used to pay off debt, what happens to that dollar? no longer there disappears it's gone it goes to money heaven right so in any circumstance that you can think of whether it's the central banks getting rid of the dollars whether it's foreign entities whatever it is that it's very unlikely that that has an impact on the dollar value relative to other currencies now there's a fantastic argument why that could decrease the dollar value relative to goods and services here in the United States. I don't think that's a very strong argument. I think other components or other variables would have much more of an impact. But to say that all these entities are going to get rid of the dollar, therefore the dollar is going to go from 101 or 103 on the DXY down to 10. And we're going to, that is a, that is a total misunderstanding of the global monetary system. And unfortunately, most of the people on FinTwit or on YouTube or podcasting, they fall into that category of the people that just don't understand how this works. They only look at the dollar as being an asset. They look at the dollar very similar to how you would look at a gold coin or how you would look at a green piece of paper, right? If I borrow gold coins and then I pay off that loan, then I give those gold coins back. Well, those gold coins still exist, right? They can still circulate. But that's not how dollars work. Dollars don't work that way. When I borrow dollars, those are dollars that did not exist before. They're not just taking those dollars from someone else and giving them to me, you see? And that's the fundamental misunderstanding. Because if you don't understand that dollars were created by lending them into existence, if you think that's like a, a, a gold coin, like borrowing gold coins, then you don't understand that when dollars are used to pay off debt, that those dollars no longer exist. And that is absolutely crucial to understanding what would happen. So now let's go through this thought experiment, understanding this. What would happen if, let's just say again, your definition of a global reserve currency is like Investopedia, where they say it's all about the central bank's balance sheets. 
And what happens if that goes down below 50% or 58 point whatever percent right now, right? So what would happen? How would you as an American feel the impact of that? You most likely wouldn't. Now, there are other variables like government deficit spending and, uh, and then what may happen to interest rates and whatnot. But, but that is outside of what happens to the dollar on central banks' balance sheets. And you may say, oh, well, George, if all these central banks aren't buying, then the, the, no one's going to buy treasuries. No, 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 no. You're forgetting. Who is the major buyer of treasuries? Is it the central banks? Do we need the central banks to buy in order to prop up the dollar and to lower interest rates? Or excuse me, not to prop up the dollar, but to prop up the price of treasuries to lower interest rates? No, no. Or else we would have seen the dollar crash. We would have seen the, the interest rates on the 10-year treasury skyrocket. And how can you argue there's not enough demand for treasuries when they're at 3.5% and Fed funds is at 5 I'm talking about the 10-year, you see? So who is providing all this demand if the central banks are unloading? It's the people who matter. Those would be the international banks, the global monetary system. So is the global monetary system going to care if that goes from 58 down to 49? Most likely not. Therefore, it's not really going to impact treasuries. Now, there's other things that could impact the interest rate on treasuries, but that's probably not one of them. Let's go back to uh, the consumer price inflation. Well, in fact, probably not. Other things that may, but that's probably not one of them. In fact, I would argue if we go from 58% down to 49%, I would argue 99.9% .9 of the people that watch this video wouldn't even know. You would have no idea if the dollar had lost its reserve status. Now you say, okay, well, what if the, the, the banks aren't doing it? And, and now we go over to that system. Okay. But again, we have to go back to the aggregate balance sheet, right? And I would like to remind you that if those dollars are being used to pay off debt, then you've still got the interest. So what does that do for demand for dollars outside of the United States or dollar cash flow? Maybe better. So that's going to go up. Well, if the demand for dollar cash flow goes up, that's most likely a very unstable environment where the demand for collateral, i.e. U.S. Treasuries, would go up as well. You see? So now let's say that you uh, define the global reserve currency, maybe using this chart. So this is global transactions that are settled in dollars. That would be right around, let's just call it 70%. So let's just say that this goes down to 45. And let's just say the euro and all these combined make up the difference. Actually, no, because we would need one to be greater. So let's just assume for a moment that the euro goes up to whatever, uh, 55 or something like that. That brings the dollar down to 48 or whatever it is. Therefore, the euro is being used for settlement more often than the dollar. So that may be your definition of a of the United States losing reserve status. Okay, great. But what would happen to the dollar against the euro in that environment? Would it crash? Would it plummet? If so, why? Because the ratio, going back to what we were talking about earlier, the ratio of dollar assets relative to dollar demand represented by the liability set of the balance sheet doesn't change. This could go down to 50 on the asset side, but what happens to the liability? That goes down to 50. So the ratio is still the same. But remember, we still have interest that we have to pay off and those dollars don't exist. So unless we have the velocity, you're not going to be able to pay off that interest. And those last few dollars that exist are going to be the most expensive item on the planet Earth. So again, my main point here is most people would have three definitions or they would fall into one of those categories. Central bank's balance sheet, private sector balance sheet, or how often uh, dollars were used in the settlement process. 
But if you think through what would happen in each one of those scenarios, the average American most likely wouldn't even know. Now, can the United States have hyperinflation? Sure, absolutely. Absolutely they can. But it's not going to happen by central banks dumping dollars. That's, that's nonsense. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of the global monetary system. And it's not going to happen by global transactions going from 70% down to 45. So what people should be concerned with is not the, the, the BRICS dumping this or anything like that. What they should be concerned with is how many currency units are created that do not have intrinsic demand attached to them. You see, now this would be represented by, let's say, uh, the government issuing massive amounts of debt because of deficits, and then the central bank buying a lot of that debt from the non-bank entities. That would be an example of how you have not just more currency units, but maybe more importantly, how you take the velocity of money and you increase it because you're taking savings and turning it into checking. So you're taking low velocity money, turning it into high velocity money. Now that's an example. And then just destroying supply chains. Let's just start there. <laughs> or UBI or something like that. That's based on the Fed's balance sheet. That's a way of creating currency units that don't have intrinsic demand. And it's a huge, huge, huge difference. See, so I'm not saying that we it's impossible to have hyperinflation. It absolutely is. But it's very, very unlikely, if not impossible, for hyperinflation to happen as a result of global central banks, quote unquote, dumping the dollar or any scenario that you could envision that would define the dollar losing reserve currency status. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. See you in the next video.